Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into my top 10 actors born in the 1910s in today's episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. Well, Friday didn't didn't happen. Um, scheduling and... and pre-planned engagements kind of got in the way of things uh, yesterday and and Friday to a degree. So this is the Monday episode now. Uh, This is top 10 actors born in the 1910s uh, as of this exact moment. And it is Monday. So before we really get into the episode, just to kind of reassess and take stock of where things are going to be, Um, looks like last week is going to kind of be the trendsetter going forward. I mentioned this a couple of times. I do want to reiterate, and I finally made a a firm decision that for the foreseeable future, um, expect two episodes a week, Monday, Friday, will be the release schedule. Now, um, that is not to say that there won't be any Wednesday episodes, but unless you know a couple of like reasonably big profile streaming films drop uh in the set at the same period of time i just don't think there's going to be enough to warrant three episodes a week as opposed to two for now uh so that means that instead of 12 episodes on average per month you're going to have eight episodes on average per month and uh, the way it works at the moment, you're going to have one top 10 actors list per month, one top 10 previous months, new movies that I saw, uh, which takes away two episodes of the eight. And then the rest of them will likely be some version of review episodes, statistics episodes, things like that. Uh, there's a chance that um, there might be a scavenger hunt in the near future, uh, and that might end up Uh, Getting a couple of episodes here, bringing back the scavenger hunt format. It's been a while, and this is a pretty good time as any to uh, um, revive that thing. Um, And of course, uh, at some point, and it seems like it's going to be during this quarantine, I will be doing my Circle of Film Awards of the 2010s decade episode, uh, which is all the winners of Every Circle of Film Award episode I've done so far, 2010 through 2019, and uh, pitting them against each other in all the categories that I award um, to see what film, person, director, song, etc. reigns supreme for the decade for me. Um, And so I am still working on on shuffling around uh, those those things, those, those order, that order, uh, as I'm in the process currently of injecting the 2010 winners into that list and figuring out where they fit in each category. That is, uh, the point I'm in at that's for that. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. Um, that still feels like kind of a lot of episodes to fill without, you know, new theater releases, six episodes. So, 
Uh, it wouldn't shock me if that there ends up being a new sort of segment now that um, Meg and I have finished doing our MCU look back. And I'll, you know, I'm, I'm lo- looking into that, see what that uh, ends up yielding for me, and, and uh, I'll inform you more as, uh, as we get there. So that's just a little, little update as to where things are. On the podcast side of things, hope everyone's staying safe, hope everyone's practicing their social distancing, and uh, sooner or later, uh, we will get out of this, this new reality that uh, has been given to us. So, that said, uh, we are going to talk about my top 10 actors born in the 1910s. Uh, I did this once, back in 2018. Um, It is a not so different list actually um there are a handful of new names uh to be sure but um actually it's a fairly different list let me i'm I'm looking through it now i think four people actually carried over from that from 2018 to now and uh got a got a bunch of new ones bunch of new ones so uh let's 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 get it let's do it here we go. Top 10 actors born in the 1910s. Count down 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, oh no. Number 10, born in the United Kingdom, September 29th, 1913, passing away January 7th, 1988, at the age of 74. Seven films that I've seen, an average film rating of 71.29, no Oscar nominations or wins, a value of six and a half to be ranked to be, for a score of 61.94, and an overall rank of 255th. Starting pretty far outside of the, the top 100 is Mr. Trevor Howard. And some of these new names are not super familiar, not very recognizable. Trevor Howard, uh, thankfully and and fortunately, has a very nice picture of himself on Letterboxd. He is at least a recognizable figure. Um, You know, he was in quite a few wartime films uh, during his his career, uh, The Battle of Britain, uh, Mutiny on the Bounty, Mutiny on the Bounty, the 1962 version. Uh, he was also in Superman. He was in Brief Encounter. He was in Gandhi, Around the World in 80 Days, and uh, most notably for most, for many, I would assume, The Third Man, Joseph Cotton and Orson Welles, and he was third build. Joseph Cotton, Orson Welles, Trevor Howard, the third build person in the movie The Third Man. It's got to mean something. Uh, he was in the war, and he, you know, began with small roles, and eventually moved on to, you know, some bigger stuff, and, um, you know, got some got some real meaty parts. Um, the third man uh, from among them. Uh, that was back in 1949, and uh, you know he started acting back in 1935. So it took him a little, took him a few years, but he he absolutely. Uh, made something of himself, you know, and uh, he's he's not a name that I'm aware of. You know, obviously he's on a couple of these posters if you look, scroll through his uh, filmography, but he's definitely not a name I would expect people to be able to pull, to be able to recognize, to be able to, you know, 
connect to a face. And you know, I, I guess I can't I can't definitively say that that's you know a shame, just because I don't. I'm I'm one of those people, right? Like I think the most recent film of his that I've seen is Brief Encounter, possibly. Um, can't be. I saw that in 2016. Uh, maybe Battle for Britain, which was 2017. Uh, it's been a while, and and he just barely sneaks onto this list at number 10. In fact, somebody above him fell off the list um, earlier today, and um, that's why I've only seen him in seven films, because he has 99 film credits on Letterboxd, um, including, but not limited to, uh, sorted by popularity, Ryan's Daughter from 1970, The Offense, Ludwig, The Passionate Friends, he's on, he's, his name's on the poster there, uh, his name's on the poster of Mutiny and the Bounty, uh, Green for Danger, Von Ryan's Express, Father Goose, interesting, Sons and Lovers, Meteor, The Unholy, They Made Me a Fugitive, The Night Visitor, and Memory of the Camps, among others. Uh, but you scroll down this list, and it does kind of quickly devolve into what look like made-for-TV movies, or, um, I don't know, like BBC productions, uh, very unpopular films, and uh, the posters get real bad the lower you go. But there's a, you know, I'm familiar with a lot of those movies that I, I, I just named. And it's, un, you know, Third Man is a great film, Brief Encounter, Superman, Gandhi, you know, Gandhi and Around the World in 80 Days, both Best Picture winners at the Oscars. Um, Mutiny on the Bounty is another good movie, um, nominated for seven Oscars. So, while I can't really say that Trevor Howard as an actor earns this spot, the films he's been in so far do. And I mean, that's that's what we're ranking here, right? So, you know, maybe this is the only time he's here. Uh, he was not here two years ago. And uh, it does feel more as though, and I've talked about this with other people as well, other, pe uh, other actors dropping in score pushed him up to this point and if i get to the point up get to next you know two years from now when i'm reevaluating this top 10 list and watching movies specifically for it uh and his name shows up it could not be it could be very not good for him uh you know only seven films it would take one bad film which currently he has none uh and is the only person on this top 10 list with zero films rated below 50 it would only take one to kind of push him off of this list for a long time so trevor howard take your win where you can get it watch the third man uh, that is that and um i'm gonna say mutiny on the bounty uh well let's go with trevor howard or, or sorry let's go with brief encounter that and brief encounter are perhaps my favorite films uh, that he's been in and uh where you can find his best performances so uh, Trevor Howard, number 10. Number 9, another person who was not on the list two years ago. Born in New York, September 16th, 1919. Uh, passing away October 22nd, 2002 at the age of 83. 
eight films to his name, an average film rating of 71.13, no Oscar wins or nominations, a value of six, a score of 62.9 to be ranked 215th overall, still outside the two top 200, is someone who does not currently have a picture on Letterboxd, Lawrence Dobkin. Uh, Lawrence Dobkin doesn't share any films with Trevor Howard. Uh, he was in North by Northwest, Sweet Smell of Success, Patton, The Ten Commandments, uh, The Defiant Ones, Julius Caesar, uh, some, some pretty big ones. Uh, he's got 42 film credits on Letterboxd, so you know I'm only about 20% into him at this point, and perhaps he has even more over on IMDb. But, you know, this is a guy who... You know, he, he, he was more of a TV actor, I think, especially later in his career. I'm looking through his The Movie Database list, and it's just a lot of one episode, two episodes, one episode, two episodes. The Detectives, Hawaiian Eye, Adventures in Paradise, Law of the Plainsman, The DuPont Show with June Allison, Riverboat, Rawhide, Man with a Camera, 77 Sunset Strip, Westinghouse, Desilu Playhouse. All TV shows. So, uh, Lawrence Dobkin... I'm, I'm not, you know, what, I don't have anything I really can uh, say about him other than, unlike some of the people I, I name in the past, uh, you know, who mostly do uncredited film roles, uh, most of his roles are not uncredited. A couple are, but a lot of them are named Dr. Wayne, Dr. Middleton. Uh, in DOA, which I've seen, he's Dr. Schaefer. In, um, let's see, in Julius Caesar, he's only a citizen of Rome. But then you look at, uh, dun, 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 dun. where was it? I just saw it. Um, in Sweet Smell of Success, he's Leo Bartha. Like he, he's a little bit above the that that con- consistently as playing an extra uh, role. So you know, Lawrence Dobkin. Uh, he's another one. You know, I, I look at the you know top ten to fifteen names that would make the list. A few weeks in advance before I know I'm going to record the episode, sometimes earlier if I can afford to, and I kind of pinpoint some of the big movies that those people have been in that I haven't seen yet. Lawrence Dobkin, like Trevor Howard, was not on that list. A lot of people have shuffled around since then, um, uh, you know, and and especially I'm looking at the you know the top 30 or so names uh, born in the 1910s, and two of them have been in 20 or more movies. So one bad movie for any of these people is going to really wreck their score. And uh, even an average film rated in the 50s can be pretty detrimental if you're only in like four or five movies so far. So Lawrence Dobkin, some of the other films of his I haven't seen, include Whirlpool. That is the most popular one I haven't seen and I've never heard of it. Deadline USA, Never Fear, Illegal, 1994's Roswell, I think I've heard that name. I've definitely heard of Roswell. I don't know if I heard of the movie itself. The Silver Chalice, The Cabinet of Caligari from 1962, Above and Beyond, and The Midnight Man. Um, definitely films worth checking out. I've got uh, you know Humphrey Bogart, Gene Tierney, Richard Conti, Joseph, uh, Jose Ferrer, uh, Kyle MacLachlan. A lot of big names in some of these movies, but... None of them are Lawrence Dobkin. However, for the time being, he is number nine, born in the 1910s. He earned that spot. He deserves that spot. He has that spot. 215th overall. 
on to number eight. Born, born in uh, in Connecticut, August 6th, 1917, passing away July 1st, 1997 at the age of 79. 11 films to his credit that I've seen, an average film rating of 66.45, no wins, no Oscar nominations, a value of seven for a score of 63.23 to be ranked 198th, we've eclipsed the top 200 now, is Robert Mitchum. So this is the first big name on the list, and Robert Mitchum, uh, it's a, it, it surprises me he was not on this list two years ago, but uh, I have seen quite a few of his movies in the past couple of weeks, months, maybe even year. Uh, you know, I'm trying to see, let's see, 30 Seconds Over Tokyo, which, meh. Not the best. Um, Out of the Past is very recent, and I liked it quite a bit. Uh, this 1962 Cape Fear I actually saw fairly recently. The Enemy Below, recent. Uh, the Longest Day is, is, I think, fairly recent. So, you know, Robert Mitchum, probably just for lack of number of films that I'd seen, uh, wasn't here two years ago. But just 11 films, he's already on the list. Uh, so I, I have this weird relationship with, with Robert Mitchum where I like his performances. Uh, he's fantastic in the night of the hunter. I really love him. And in, in most of the movies I see him in, but there's something about his voice, his really deep, very recognizable, uh, voice that, you know, I've never seen him in a movie where he doesn't have it. He's never, you know, adjusting his voice, shifting his voice in any way that I can tell so far. And it just, I don't know, there's something about it that irks me. Just just enough, just a little, just a bit. Uh, to where, it, I don't know, it feels over the top. It feels like um, an exaggeration almost. And maybe if I see him, you know, if I keep watching a couple more Richard, Robert Mitchell movies, that'll... Uh, subside but for the moment every time i think of him like the first thing i think of is that voice and you know having an, having an iconic voice is wonderful but i don't know i sometimes i think it's a little much it's it's a little much uh so it doesn't doesn't detract from his his, his abilities but i don't know it's just it's a little much um so i mentioned night of the hunter i mentioned a bunch of his films uh some of the ones uh, I haven't mentioned, include The Friends of Eddie Coyle, El Dorado, Angel Face, The Yakuza, Brian's Daughter, again, Crossfire, The Lusty Men, River of No Return, Farewell, My Lovely, The Last Tycoon, Holiday Affair, What a Way to Go, and Pursued, among others. Uh, he has 134 film credits on Letterboxd. That is quite a high number. Uh, I've seen 8%. Um, that number definitely going to increase oh, yeah. long before we have to do another one of these episodes. Uh, you know, Just looking at some of the people um, who are also in these movies, you've got a Howard Hawks film with John Wayne. You've got Peter Boyle. You've got uh, Gene Simmons, uh, You know Marilyn Monroe. Uh, Susan Hayward, a bunch of big names that Janet Lee, 
uh, or even, you know, Shirley MacLaine and Paul Newman and Dean Martin and Gene Kelly and Dick Van Dyke, all in What a Way to Go. That's yeah, a lot of good movies, a lot of big movies, movies I'm familiar with, movies I'm aware of, and, and on my radar, ready to lo- ready to watch, and I got nothing but time. Although it kind of feels like I always have nothing but time, but at the same time, it feels like I have no time at all. Robert Mitchum was not on the list two years ago, makes his debut in eighth place, and uh, I see I see movement upward in his future. Uh, I like Robert Mitchum a lot. And if you haven't seen The Night of the Hunter, definitely check that out. It is a, a favorite of many. A favorite of many. So, number eight, born in the 1910s, number 198 overall, Robert Mitchum. Which brings us to number seven, <clears throat> born in Missouri, June 13th, 1910, passing away October 22nd, 1995, at the age of 85, Eight films to her name that I've seen, an average film rating of 71.63. No Oscar wins or nominations, a value of six, a score of 63.3 to be ranked 198th overall, just a little bit, seven-tenths of a point above Robert Mitchum, is Mary Wicks. I believe I'm pronouncing that right, although she was born Mary Isabella Wickenhauser. Maybe it's Wickes, Wicks, Mary Wicks. Uh, she is, you know, um, not somebody I would expect anyone to recognize. Uh, her most popular film on Letterboxd is The Hunchback of Notre Dame from 1996. She was, you know, a lot of her movies, in fact, are far more contemporary than a lot of the counterparts on this list, um, including Sister Act, the 1994 version of Little Women, uh, 1990s postcards from the edge. Uh, so her her career kept up for a long time, uh, which is great and, and wonderful. Uh, looking back at the past, she was also in White Christmas. She was in Now Voyager. She was in 1962's The Music Man. And the most recent film of hers that I've seen is The Man Who Came to Dinner from 1942, which is uh, it's a really film of a type film of a very specific type and you're either gonna I did not like it I acknowledge the things it does well but I think it's a very love or hate film for the most part uh Mary Wickes Wicks I I don't know I'm probably just gonna say it both ways every time is you know she has 56 film credits on Letterboxd I've seen eight or 14 percent her brief summary and, and it is very brief uh, describes her specialty as playing wisecracking, no-nonsense types. Uh, so, looking here, I wonder if I can recognize... She played... <clears throat> she played Aunt March in the 94 version of Little Women, uh, which I think makes a lot of sense, given that description. Um, in Hunchback of Notre Dame... She is the voice of the Gargoyle Laverne, which I haven't seen Hunchback of Notre Dame in in over a decade. So uh, I guess I don't really have any have any real way to describe what that means. Uh, In The Man Who Came to Dinner, easily the most recent film of hers I've seen. She plays Miss Preen. And uh, if you see the movie, if you watch the movie, totally makes sense. That's uh, 
Wisecracking No Nonsense is right up her alley. Some of her films that I haven't seen uh, include Sister Act 2. Uh, so apparently her character lives through the first one and survives to the second one. The Trouble with Angels from 1966. How to Murder Your Wife from 1965. Too Much Johnson. Who Done It? Abbott Costello. Abbott and Costello. Abbott and Costello. Uh, Cimarron from 1960, remake of the Best Picture winner, the I assume. The Actress, oh, on Moonlight Bay, and, and many others. Uh, I kind of feel like 56 films is a little low. I think there's a good shot. Some of those are, uh, there's more, and they're on IMDb, not on this. So, could be more. Could be even more than 56. Um, she's the only female to make it onto the list this time. There was one two years ago that made it and uh she's not there this not there now so uh might be a, just a single female revolving door for the 1910s but number 11 was a female very close to having two on this year's list uh so number uh number seven born in the 1910s number 194 overall Mary Wicks, Wickes, Wicks, Wickes, Wickes. Number six, born in Japan, March 6th, 1910. Passing away September 20th, 1979 at the age of 69. With eight films that, of, to his credit that I've seen, an average film rating of 71.75. No Oscar nominations or wins. A value of 7, a score of 64.4 to be ranked 160th overall is Koji Mitsui. <clears throat> Koji Mitsui, also not on the list last year. So the bottom five names didn't uh, are all brand new. All new, new to the list in 2020. Koji Mitsui, as many of the Japanese actors uh, that I've mentioned on a couple of li different lists... Uh, you know, he's here thanks to Kurosawa. That's pretty much period. Um, High and Low, The Hidden Fortress, Red Beard, The Bad Sleep Well. Uh, the big ones. Uh, Scandal, which I saw recently and I liked and, and enjoyed that quite a bit. And then after that, uh, he doesn't hurt to also be working with Kobayashi. Masaki Kobayashi uh, directed The Inheritance, which I've seen him in. And I, I like The Inheritance quite a bit. Uh, and I, I think the human condition is great. He's in part one of that. So uh, the only bad film I've seen him in is Fireworks Over the Sea, which, which was a Keisuke, Keisuke Kinoshita film. Uh, Keisuke Kinoshita also directed The Ballad of Mariyama, which is good. Uh, so oh, one for two for uh, Kinoshita for me. Koji Mitsui. Mitsui. Mitsui is not the biggest name uh, in, in as far as Japanese acting goes. Uh, in High and Low, he's, you know, billed as second reporter. He, you know, even in his last film in 1970, he was billed as foots, food stand owner. Um, so, you know, more of a bit player than anything else. And... Yet, I kind of feel like he's uh, going to be a mainstay for a while. A lot of the Japanese actors, once they hit enough films to push them onto this list, 
Uh, it's very difficult to get them off, get them off of it. Uh, you know, I've watched quite a few Japanese films over the last couple of weeks. You know, maybe ten to fifteen, and it just they're just good. They're just really good movies, and I, I haven't gotten you know with a couple of exceptions here and there. I haven't reached a point where that level of quality has started to drop off. And maybe that's coming. Maybe that you know hits between now and 2020 when I or now in 2022 when I do this list of ne- next. But for the time being, it is absolutely uh, you know just a <laughs> the rich getting richer essentially. Some of Mitsui's films that I haven't seen uh, include Woman in the Dunes, which is high on the watch list, uh, Floating Weeds from 1959. Uh, Dodeska Den, Dodeska Den from 1970, There Was a Father, The Lower Depths, A Story of Floating Weeds, Dragnet Girl, which is an Ozu film, uh, Nanami, colon, The Inferno of First Love, Killers on Parade, and more. He has 69 film credits on Letterboxd, I've seen 11% of that, and uh, while the bottom 40 or so look like films I've, you know, the, the posters don't have English on them. Um, there's still, you know, Woman in the Dunes, I've heard really, really great things about. Um, the Lower Depths, Floating Weeds, Tedesca Den, There Was a Father, films I'm very familiar with, and uh, when I get to see them, could in fact improve Koji Mitsui and, and push him up higher than sixth place next time around. So uh, for now, he's here. And he's uh, hoping to stay. Koji Mitsui, number six, born in the 1910s, number 160th overall. Number 160 overall. Swinging back uh, to someone born in the United States, born in New York, November 2nd, 1913, passing away October 20th, 1994, at the age of 80. 22 films that I've seen, an average film rating of 62.91. I've seen him in three Oscar-nominated performances, including one which he won the award. He has a value of nine, a score of 66.67 to be ranked inside the top 100 at 97th overall. And that is uh, the man with the piercing blue eyes, Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster, I... Yeah, I, I've seen him in quite a few films recently, uh, from The Killers to Seven Days in May to The Professionals to, uh, let's see here, Rolling uh, I Walk Alone, um, The Unforgiven I just watched this morning, Come Back Little Sheba, The Rainmaker, The Rose Tattoo, uh, Mr. 880. <clears throat> Uh, Burt Lancaster, born in November. I was watching a bunch of his movies back in, you know, preparation for the top ten November-born actors episode. So uh, he's, you know, his his number of films has inflated a bit to twice two. That's ties for the most films seen by an actor in this top ten list for me. Uh, I like Burt Lancaster. I don't love him. I think he's a, a good actor, and I've never really seen him eclipse that and be quote-unquote great uh he's got three oscar nominations that i've seen already including from here to eternity elmer gantry which he won for and um atlantic city 
And I agree, Elmo Gantry, definitely his best performance that I've seen. I don't know if I would quite call it great, but it is definitely veering into that territory for me. Uh, he, he just, he fits that role. He, he's kind of playing a little against type in, in, in it, but also, you know, definitely feeling at home and, and kind of being this, to a degree, you know, snake oil salesman type character, which having seen him in a lot more things now, I think he's he's very custom to playing that role. Some of the films of him of his I haven't seen, and there's quite a few that are very popular and I'm I'm familiar with. The Leopard from 1963, The Swimmer from 1968, Local Hero from 83, 1900 from 1976, The Train, Brute Force, Crisscross, Birdman of Alcatraz, uh, Sorry Wrong Number, and Vera Cruz, among others. He has 100 film credits on Letterboxd, so I've seen 22%. And even, you know, scrolling down further through his list, uh, A Child is Waiting, The Cassandra Crossing, The Flame and the Arrow, these are films I'm familiar with, Apache, uh, Lawman, Zulu Dawn, are still names I've heard of and, and... familiar with as well so a lot of Burt Lancaster films still to see and I'm sure a bunch of them are going to be good like I kind of said alluded to most of those good films aren't general generally due to him like I think he does a really good job in Judgment of, at Nuremberg but I I love that movie for a lot of other reasons that, that don't include Burt Lancaster being in it uh, and the same is true for things like Field of Dreams and Sweet Smell of Success um, from Here to Eternity. He's very centralized on films rated between 60 and 69. A lot of his films seem to hit in that range. Uh, in fact, eight of his films out of the 22 are in that range. And I, I that's the thing. Like I don't feel, you know, with the exception of, say, Elmer Gantry, that he has the capacity to push a movie above its constraints and uh, that's something that a lot of other actors uh, and at least a couple more on this list that i'm going to talk about have the capability to do so for now number five and i guess worth mentioning he was 10th two years ago so 10th two years ago i'd only seen him in 16 films now i've seen him in 22 uh he had a score of 64.6 uh 0.94 0.94 then, so he has improved his score a little bit, and he was 283rd at the time, now up to 97th, so he has improved his standing and uh, is our first repeat uh, for the 2020 list. Number five, born in the 1910s, number 97 overall, Burnt Lancaster. Number four, born in Japan, November 15th, 1913, passing away April 12th, 1984, at the age of 71. Nine films that I have seen, an average film rating of 72.44, no Oscar nominations or wins, a value of eight, a score of 67.27 to be ranked 87th overall is Seiji Miyaguchi. Another Japanese actor who has spent a lot of time working with Kurosawa, he has also spent a fair bit of time working with uh, Keisuke Kinoshita and uh, Masaki Kobayashi. He's in Seven Samurai, Ikiru, Throne of Blood, Kwaidan, The Bad Sleep Well, 
as well as the Human Condition Part 1 and the Inheritance, as well as the Ballad of Narayama and Fireworks Over the Sea. So his filmography is effectively the same as Koji Mitsui, except he's also been in like two other movies and they're both good. That's, it's, it's a very delicate difference. And the other part is that Miyaguchi is not exactly a, a background character the way that Mitsui is. Um, you know, you look at some of his bigger films and uh, Miyaguchi plays Kyozu in Seven Samurai. He's one of, you know, the main characters in the movie. In Ikiru, he plays uh, a Yakuza boss. In, uh, in Kwaidan, he is playing, <clears throat> uh, if I can find it, jeez, they all... Well, we're going to skip quite on and move on to Throne of Blood, where he plays um, one of the Phantom Samurai. So a bit of a higher standing and status within uh, the Japanese acting hierarchy than Mitsui had. Uh, but Miyaguchi, definitely um, one of Kurosawa's go-tos uh, for some of his roles. Uh, Kyozu from Seven Samurai was the master swordsman. And uh, he confessed, fun fact, he confessed that he had never handled a sword before his role in Seven Samurai, uh, which will be something if, you know, if you want to ever go back and rewatch that movie, if you haven't seen it, something probably worth paying attention to. See how good he, how well he handles the sword at that point. Um, Other films of his, he's got 66 film credits on Letterboxd, so I've seen about 13%. Uh, his other films include Early Summer from 1951, Tokyo Twilight, Pale Flower, Intentions of Murder, Antonia, Antonio Gaudi, uh, Sanshiro Sugata Part 2, Black River, Samurai Spy, Flowing, Farewell to the Ark, The Challenge, and The Rickshaw Man, among others. Uh Compared to Mitsui, uh, he does not quite have as many film notable films as as his counterpart. Uh, I'm, I'm sure certainly familiar with a handful of these, but not quite as many. Like Woman in the Dunes is is a really high on my watch list, and uh, that kind of leans very heavily in favor of Mitsui. So I, again, I, I still think that there, as I continue to dive deeper into the Japanese film seen that I have a long way to go before I start to with any sort of frequency hit you know bad movies uh, so I, I think there's a long time before these guys are going to drop off the list but um, yeah Seiju Seiji Miyaguchi is number 4 born in the 1910s and he is number 87 overall <clears throat> number 3 he was on the list two years ago. Born in the United Kingdom, April 2nd, 1914, passing away August 5th, 2000, at the age of 86, tying Burt Lancaster with 22 films to his credit, an average film rating of 65.14, two Academy Award nominations, and one win that I've seen, a value of 10, a score of 69.71, to be ranked 56th overall someone who has frequently found himself in the top 50 
generally in that 40 to 50 range, currently 56th, is Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness, as we all know, um, Star Wars. Star Wars. You know, he is, uh, he's, he's Obi-Wan Kenobi in A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back. He makes an appearance in Return of the Jedi, in The Force Awakens, and in most recently, he has a very, very tiny, uh, I suppose, voice role in The Rise of Skywalker. But his film career, far greater than Star Wars, uh, despite what some might say, might think, rather. And for me, the next highest profile film uh, for him is... The Bridge on the River Kwai. I think that I think Bridge on the River Kwai is fantastic. I think he gives an absolutely powerful performance. It is his Oscar-winning role, uh, Bridge on the River Kwai. He was also nominated for his for his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi in A New Hope. Uh, the only film, as a film, I think that contends with Bridge on the River Kwai for Guinness's filmography is Lawrence of Arabia. Of course, Peter O'Toole rightfully so dominates this movie but alec guinness is absolutely as prince faisal uh very present and uh very you know important to this that movie as well and uh reaps all the benefits he's also been in dr Zhivago, kind hearts and coronets which is another fantastic film Great Expectations, The Lady Killers, The Lavender Hill Mob, A Passage to India, Murder by Death, uh, The Man in the White Suit. A lot of really, really good movies. Uh, Alec Guinness has... has the more I've hit my watch, uh, and, and my most recent film of his is uh, Last Holiday, which was loosely remade with Queen Latifah back in the 2000s. Uh, he's... You know, I look at him in Bridge on the River Kwai and Lawrence of Arabia and even as Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he, he's very commanding as a presence. Uh, he's not exactly comedic. He's, he's I don't know, he, he feels more like a Ray Fiennes or, a, I don't know, just more of, a, more of a rigid, solid presence in these movies. And then I start watching him in these other, in these other things, uh, like Last Holiday... And uh, the card is another one, and and all of a sudden he's this comedian, and he plays it really well. And and I got a taste of it. I guess I wasn't entirely convinced by Kind Hearts and Coronets, where he plays like six or seven different roles. But uh, I think eight, maybe even. And uh, you know, it's. I guess at the time when I saw it, it felt more like that was just his one against type movie. And now as I'm like watching more of his filmography, like, no, this is, uh, that's more, uh, more in line with, I think what he was doing, uh, earlier in his career. You know, he had the Lavender Hill mob and, and things like that, but a lot of his stuff, uh, now that I'm getting deeper into his filmography is a little more comedic, a little more, uh, light, lighthearted. And I like it. I think he does a really good job with that. And, and knowing how big of a range he can pull off uh, gives those more dramatic and, and emotional moments in those movies even greater uh, payoff. So two years ago, Alec Guinness was second on this list. He's dropped one spot, 
Uh, I've seen him in four films in the time since. His, uh, let's see here, his score went from 72.5 to a 69.71, so he dropped in score a bit. However, he was 88th overall at the time. He is now 56th overall at the time, so he has gained 32 spots despite dropping almost three full points uh, in score in the last two years. Just to give you, a, continue to give you an idea of you know how the leaderboard continues to change quite significantly. Um, as I predominantly, if you you know follow me on Letterbox, uh, can tell, watching a lot of bad movies is is really what's going on just a lot there's a lot of bad movies out there so dropping one spot from second to third uh in the 1910s and but in fact increasing 32 spots up to 56th overall is alec guinness sir alec guinness runner-up our runner-up he was first overall Two years ago, he has dropped one spot. Born in New York, November 4th, 1919. Uh, narrowly making it onto the, you know, the list by that, you know, month, almost two months time. Uh, passing away February 13th, 1996 at the age of 76. 16 films to his credit that I've seen. An average film rating of 67.94. One academy award nomination that i've seen and one academy award win a value of 10 and a half a score of 70.89 to be ranked 42nd overall we're in the top 50 martin balsam 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 martin henry balsam um he's his his oscar win came for his role in a thousand clowns which i saw fairly recently uh born in november so like uh, Burt Lancaster. I watched a couple of his films back then. Uh, back in 2018, I'd seen him in 10 films. He's up to 16. He was first overall then, and f- or he was first in the 1910s back then. He was 47th overall. He's 42nd overall, and he's dropped a spot on this top 10 list um, with a score that went from 76 to 70.89. He dropped over five points and gained a few spots. Uh, Martin Balsam has been in some very iconic movies, Breakfast at Tiffany's, 12 Angry Men. He's absolutely wonderful in 12 Angry Men. Psycho, All the President's Men, uh, The Taking of Pelham 123, Murder on the Orient Express, On the Waterfront, Cape Fear, Cape Fear, the 62 and 91 versions, uh, St. Elmo's Fire, he was in Saint Seven Days in May, which I saw recently. Uh, a Thousand Clowns, again, which I saw in preparation for the November Top Ten episode. Uh, the Carpetbaggers, I believe I watched for that episode as well. And I feel like there was one I saw of him re- more recently. Might have just been Cape Fear. Uh, I guess Seven Days in May. Yeah, definitely Seven Days in May recently. Uh, Catch-22. I I skipped over that one. Catch-22 is uh, is another one I remember watching, which is a really strange, uh, but also pretty funny uh, war, World War II comedy uh, that kind of plays in the same arena as MASH. If you're unfamiliar uh, with Catch-22 and you like MASH, I would say uh, I'd recommend it. Uh, Martin Balsam 
he's a he's a really good actor and i think he's you know he's been in a lot of great stuff he's generally not the leading man but he plays a fantastic supporting character uh, I, I love the taking of love the taking of pelham one two three uh he he robert shaw walter Matthau are, are fantastic in it um you know he's i believe it's balsam at the end of that movie uh, that has a <laughs> has an exchange with Walter Matthau uh, that you know freeze frames the final shot and it's just pitch perfect, um, just pitch perfect editing and and Balsam's performance is really really wonderful. Uh, of course, you know on the waterfront and and both Cape Fears the Psycho Psycho from nineteen sixty, you know and and Murder on the Orient Express he he has a good sense for a lot of different genres you know he can play you know crime thriller and taking a pelham 123 he can play political you know political intrigue political drama and all the president's men 12 angry men uh he can do kind of light romantic comedy and breakfast at tiffany's he can do you know horror thriller and psycho cape fear on the you know he can do on the waterfront he can do saint elmo's fire which is none of those <laughs> it's more of a kid's movie than anything else um Seven Days in May is another political thriller. A Thousand Clowns is is just more of a character study drama, uh, which is kind of odd. You know, that's what he won his Oscar for, and I think I think he's good in that. I'm I'm a little surprised. I would imagine there was just kind of a sentiment uh, that he was owed, possibly. You know, he'd been in a lot of his biggest films at that point waterfront 12 angry man breakfast you know psycho the first cape fear but um i don't know it's really interesting i don't think his performance was that recognize that that notable at the time uh but he's really good uh some of the other films of his he's been in that i haven't seen yet include little big man the sentinel death wish three two evil eyes Ombre, The Anderson Tapes, The Delta Force, The Stone Killer, Two Minute Warning, and Confessions of a Police Captain, which he's on the poster that he might be now. He is third build, according to Letterboxd. Uh, part of his uh, bio here says that shortly after he won uh, his, his Oscar for A Thousand Clowns, he began accepting a lot of roles over in Europe got into a lot of your uh italian films uh and others um and and kind of split his time between italy and uh hollywood which uh, is really interesting and i'm interested you know i haven't seen most of his any of his italian films i don't think so i'm curious to see you know what that uh involves and what that looks like you know and compare that to some of his american performances to see if there is any difference um so martin balsam down one spot to second born in the 1910s and up to 42nd overall which brings us to our new number one he was on the list two years ago he was third then he's jumped up two spots uh, surpassing alec guinness and martin balsam and he is born in japan April 28th, 1917, passing away November 1st, 1999, at the age of 82. 
12 films to his credit that I've seen, an average film rating of 72.5, no Oscar wins or nominations, a value of 10, a score of 72.14 to be ranked 34th overall, is Minoru Chiaki. Two years ago, I had seen him in nine films, so I've seen him in three more films in the time since. Uh, He was third then, ranked 101st overall. He has now moved up to first and 34th overall, and his score at the time was 71.86. His score has improved to 72.14. Very few scores improve in that period of time, uh, but you know, with only three films, uh, it's it's very understandable that that would happen. Uh, Minoru Chiaki is like uh, Miyaguchi, like Mitsui, in a bunch of Kurosawa films: Throne of Blood, Seven Samurai, Rashomon, Ikaru, High and Low, Hidden Fortress, Stray Dog. Uh, he is in the Human Condition as well, but he is in Part Two. He was in the Idiot. I Live in Fear, which I saw recently. He was in The Inheritance as well. The three of them all in The Inheritance. Uh, He was in his worst film, in my opinion, uh, which is Godzilla Raids Again from 1955. Um, That's it. That's pretty much it. Uh, You know, he uh, is a little more like, a lot closer to Miyaguchi than he is to Mitsui as far as what roles he's given. Uh, in Seven Samurai, he was Heihachi Hayashida, I believe one of the Seven Samurai. In High and Low, he is, <coughs> excuse me, uh, he was uh, one of the main reporters, unnamed but involved in that entire situation. Um, he was the priest in Rashomon. Uh, he even won uh, a Best Actor prize at the. Um, Japan Academy uh, for his performance in Grey Sunset. I have not seen that yet. It came out. It is a 1985 film, and man, I don't even see it listed on. Oh, there it is. 1985 Grey Sunset. Not a not one of his most popular films uh, by any stretch, but um, one I'm definitely going to make sure I check out next time I'm uh, preparing for a Chiaki top 10 list uh given that he is born in april next april seems like about a year now a year from now i'll be looking into more minoru chiaki films uh, in addition to the ones i'll see between now and then um it's interesting he is one of the seven samurai in seven samurai as heihachi and uh, in the movie he is the first one to be killed Ironically, and this is in his letterboxed bio, of the seven samurai actors uh, that played in the in the movie, he is the last one to have passed away. Uh, which is, I don't know, fun fact. I don't know if it's a fun fact. It's a fact, though. It's definitely a fact. Uh, so, I like Chiaki a lot. He's got a, a round face. Uh, you know, he's he's a little... I don't know if this is kind of stereotypical, but he he ends up being a more jovial character in a lot of these movies. Uh, Some of the films of his I haven't seen include The Face of Another, Samurai 3, Duel at Gunryu Island, The Lower Depths, Vendetta of a Samurai, A Wife's Heart, Little Peach, Gigantus, The Fire Monster, 
hero of the Red Light District and the Christian Revolt, among others. He's got 58 film credits on Letterboxd. I've seen 20% of that. And a uh, bunch more. Uh, I've got a lot more to see. Uh, the Face of Another, one I'm not super... I mean, I definitely recognize the poster, familiar with it, but you know, directed by Hiroshi Teshigahara, who I've seen one film from, and it was not even close to one of his popular ones. But he also directed Woman in the Dunes, so uh, that's going to be an interesting uh, time to kind of explore his filmography. And then the Samurai movies, I'm really interested to check these out. Uh, they star Mifune, uh, Takashi Shimura is in these as well, Minoru Chiaki, uh, and a bunch of other names I'm very familiar with and, and looking forward to getting into. And I think they're all on Criterion's streaming service. So very excited to check that out. Uh, that's it. That's Minoru Chiaki. Number one, our new number one for the actors born in the 1910s. I'll run down that top 10 one more time. Starting with number 10, Trevor Howard, Lawrence Dobkin, Robert Mitchum, Mary Wicks, Wickes, Koji Mitsui, Burt Lancaster, Seiji Miyaguchi, Alec Guinness, Martin Balsam, and Minoru Chiaki. Those are your top 10 actors born in the 1910s. For now, and uh, two years from now, we will revisit this list and see what has changed and what has stayed the same. Four actors were able to survive these two years, as are almost entirely number, <laughs> number top four. Uh, Seiji Miyaguchi, the only person sneaking in above one of the old actors that stuck around. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Keep your social distance uh, from everyone, I guess. Uh, if you'd like to find more episodes, we have lots of them. There are lots of episodes left to listen to, uh, probably. I if you've if you've listened to all the episodes, I would love to know that because there's a lot, there are quite a few. Uh, but you can find more episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, places where podcasts can be found. Uh, if any of those don't work, you can also find uh, some. I've heard reports that that some episodes are late to show up or, or missing. Uh, you can always find all the episodes on CircleOfFilm.com, including a bunch of other stuff. You can look at all the old lists for the top ten uh, month-born or decade-born actors uh, categories. They're all over there as well. If you'd like to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Circle of Film. I, uh, you can find me on Letterboxd at Circle of Film, or you can email circleoffilm at gmail.com about anything, everything. Uh, what else do we have to do during this forced quarantine time? Uh, and finally, if you'd like to support the show, uh, given, you know, the quarantine element and, and the fact that a lot of people just aren't able to work, uh, really not, a necessity to 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 send any money or to subscribe to the patreon best things you can do like the show rate it review it subscribe to it tell people about it uh, and ultimately just listen just uh listen as long as i can keep putting episodes out uh listening is the best thing you can do if you are so inclined you can become a patron at patreon.com slash circle of film where for as little as one dollar a month you can have early access to all the episodes that are released early Thank you for listening. Thank you to Brian, uh, who is the great, great, generous patron of the show. Uh, Really does mean a lot uh, to have his support. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same tonight. I know she'll...
Without a trace, nothing's gone forever.